Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Culinary schools are a major part of our business. The difference is, which one do I choose? Which one do I go to? Which one is going to be the best bang for my buck? And how do I decide all that? Today we're going to talk to a good friend of mine who is the Dean of Culinary Arts down at Salt Lake Community College in Salt Lake City, Utah. He has got a lot of experience both in for-profit and nonprofit or community college education. And we're going to hear a little bit about him and his story and what he would do if he were in your shoes. You know, it's not often that I have people actually in studio, so welcome and uh, tell us a little bit about you. Well, hi, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. Good to be here. Um, wow, my my days in this business started uh, many years ago. Uh, when I was 15 years old, my parents sat me down and they said, okay, next year we're going to help buy you a car, but you need to do everything to afford to, to have that car. And... At that point, what's a 15-year-old kid going to do? Go work at a skate shop in Southern California or a golf course or something like that, man. And we had some, uh, my grandparents had some family friends that owned a small Italian restaurant. And I went in there and every once in a while and helped out. And, you know, it kind of ended up becoming a, a choice after a while where being in high school, I wanted nothing but to play baseball and play hockey but I also had to work to afford to drive back and forth to school. So I ended up uh, getting my first job at, uh, my first real job. Uh, I opened a restaurant, uh, I was part of the opening team at the Olive Garden in Arcadia, California. And that was a huge experience. And I did a little bit of everything. I was kind of like a utility player. And um, I had a, uh, my first, I'd say, mentor in this business was a kitchen manager named Derek, and he basically brought in um, material from California Culinary Academy. And he says, here, you need to go to culinary school. Do something with yourself. And um, I was like, are you kidding me? I said, you know, I was a little bit older then, so I was, I was closer to, to 19 at that point. And um, I, I wasn't too sure if I wanted to get into culinary that much. Um, I, I was I, I enjoyed what I was doing, but at that point in my life, it wasn't necessarily a career, right? Uh, ambition. So after six months of of pushing me to, to to figure this thing out, he finally convinced me, and I ended up going up for a uh, an open house kind of tour demo. And um, at that point, California Culinary Academy was in San Francisco on the corner of uh, Polk and Turk. Um, beautiful old um, uh, Russian theater house and fell in love with it and everybody was in their uniforms and it was like really cool. So I ended up going to uh, culinary school and got my associate of occupational studies. And at that point it was a year and a half program 
And uh, once I got out of uh, CCA, um, that's kind of when I look at the point in my life where things changed and I actually started to get more serious about things. You know, I call it uh, the educational maturity bill, if you will. And um, I ended up really starting to enjoy culinary arts as a career more. And after I got out of culinary school, I ended up um, working at the Jonathan Club in downtown L.A. And I had um, what became to be my second mentor. And he's a food and beverage director, family friend. And he was the one that really got me on the path to fine dining. And uh, from there, I ended up moving over to the Hotel Bel Air, uh, five-star, five five-diamond hotel. And I worked underneath uh, Chef Gary Clausen. Um, and that is when I absolutely, uh, everything that I thought I knew, I learned very quickly. I knew nothing. And, um, it was, you know, the, the typical kind of first real high end, uh, line cook job, uh, that ended up moving to like a, uh, chef tournant and, um, kind of like what they called at the time, like a junior Sioux, um, is kind of the direction that I was going. And just got the exposure to all kinds of awesome ingredients and uh, in food and beverage. It was just an amazing experience. Uh, and after I was finished with the Hotel Bel Air, I ended up uh, having the opportunity to become the chef de cuisine at Sherwood Country Club in Thousand Oaks. And um, from uh, about two years working there, uh, you know, you're working with the the membership of the club is in the top 1% of uh, wealth in the United States. And uh, I quickly learned that the word no doesn't exist. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's really interesting. Um, why, I used to tell this story all the time in my classes. Uh, we had a food and beverage uh, committee composed of members at the time. And we did this steak tasting. And they wanted to do a New York steak tasting. And we got every kind of meat from every purveyor you can possibly imagine. And then the uh, food and beverage director at the time tells me, make sure you go to Costco and get yourself some New York strip loin. I'm like, what? Says, make sure you go to Costco and get yourself a New York strip loin. All right, fine. So we came out, we cooked everything up and, and the members chose out of all the steaks, none of which were labeled. They wanted the Costco meat. Why? Because they want to make sure that the club is the extension of their home. And they wanted to be able to buy the same kind of meat themselves to cook at home as they could get at their club. And it doesn't matter how much money in this world that you have, sometimes simple is good enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, so then after the Sherwood Country Club, uh, my sous chef at the time, he's Canadian, Wayne, hey, so Wayne used to tell me uh, after about a year and a half, he's all, Jeffrey, you should go and think about being a teacher. I'm like, are you kidding me? I wasn't even a good student in school, man. What do you mean go teach people? He says, no. He says, you'd be great. I'm like, yeah, I just, I couldn't do it. There's just no way, you know, just even the thought of it was made my stomach turn. Well, my wife and I had bought a, a house in Glendora, California, and I was working in Thousand Oaks, and it was about 65 miles one way across Highway 101. 
So on top of the two hour and change commute, and then your 10 to 14 hour workday, and then the same return back at night was just wearing on me. So, um, Wayne finally convinced me to go see his friend who was the department chair at the California School of Culinary Arts in Pasadena. And after some time, I uh, went in there and I did an interview and they hired me and I put in my notice at the country club. And a couple weeks later, I started teaching. And I, and I say that with air quotes because I had no idea what I was doing, none whatsoever. I knew that showing people how to cook was easy. I showed people how to cook all the time, but teaching people about food and, and trying to educate them on why and how they're doing the things that they're doing was absolutely foreign to me. So I started on a Wednesday was the beginning of the semester. After two days, my stomach was in, in such turmoil and, and knots. I had typed up a letter of resignation and I walked in with the letter of resignation in my hand on Friday, the same week that I got hired. And I sat down with my department chair and I was, it was probably one of the only times in my life, like I was like almost in tears doing something that I had jumped into that I had no idea how to get out of. So my only thought at that point was quit, go find something else to do. And I'll never forget, his name is Mike Malloy. He's a good friend of mine for years and years and years, and he's since moved to Dallas, uh, Texas. But uh, he was the department chair at the time. He sat me down. He says, Coker, pull your head out of your rear end and start thinking about what you're doing. Don't you realize you're a teacher now? I'm like, huh? And he says, you got to study. And that concept to me was just completely foreign. Um I I didn't understand what that meant at the time. And um, I didn't appreciate it because I, I didn't know what I was doing. And there was no teacher training or anything of the sort. All right, you can cook. All right, go show them how to cook. The cooking part was easy, right? But the, the, the lecture and the lesson plans and all those things that you have to be prepared, right? It's... It's similar to, uh, you know, putting on a big event inside of a restaurant or, or a hotel. But at the same time, it's, it's completely different. And um, it really caught my attention. And uh, I, I remember vividly, I took that next, that Saturday off and I just reflected on everything that had happened like the last three days. And I opened the books, every book that I had in my resource and I studied and I wrote out just ridiculous amounts of notes to prepare for the next week. And I got to class on Monday and I, I felt a little bit better. But at the same point, I just kept going. So what ended up happening is for like the next six, seven, eight months, that was my life. I worked all week. I took Saturday off and I would study eight, nine, 10 hours on Sunday uh, until I felt like I had everything that I needed. And uh, didn't matter what class I was teaching at the time, um, that, that's how it went. And uh, ultimately, 
after about a year and a half, I finally took a breath and kind of looked back and reflected on what I was doing. And I realized, my goodness, I absolutely love teaching now. And I realized for the first time in my life that aside from cooking, um, teaching people how to cook was something that really made me happy. And um, I realized very quickly that if I wanted to remain in the education field, that I needed to go back and uh, get more education. So ultimately what ended up happening is I ended up um, in 2003, I started my bachelor's degree through Sullivan University online, which that was a strange experience too, by the way, doing online education at that point. Uh, I ended up getting my bachelor's degree from Sullivan in 05, um, and, and it was pretty nerve-wracking. Again, going back to school later in life, I, I said earlier, you know, educational maturity bill, that's the kind of same thing that I talk to my students about today is if you don't get it right now, it will happen. Don't stress out over it. Just keep going. Keep working. Keep following what you want to do. One day, the light will turn on. It might not be tomorrow or next week. It might be a year from now. It will happen. Uh, I have no doubt about that. But um, so I took a year off and I ended up going back to school and I ended up getting a master's degree in education with an emphasis in technology and learning. And, um, you know, the, the great part about having the ex education to go with the experiences, then you end up getting offered promotions at work. So I went from um, being a chef instructor at Le Cordon Bleu because um, Career Education Corporation ended up buying the schools and turned it into Le Cordon Bleu College of North America campuses across the United States. So the campus I worked at ultimately ended up uh, being named uh, Le Cordon Bleu Los Angeles. So we were one of 16 campuses in North America. And I, was, uh, I got promoted lead instructor, lead instructor, department chair, department chair to... Uh, dean of Culinary Arts, and then that title got changed to um, Executive Chef. And ultimately, when I left, uh, almost 17 years, I was at Le Cordon Bleu. I left as the Executive Chef and Director of Education. And um, at one point, um, like 2008, 2009, we had um, almost an average of 2,500 students in Culinary Arts, Patisserie and Baking, and Hospitality Management and um, I had over, uh, about 100 faculty members I was responsible for. So we had, um, we had four different campuses in two different cities and almost 170,000 square feet of space. And it was uh, an amazing experience to be effectively given the reins um, to kind of guide and direct an operation that size. Um, you know, I had a lot of help. I had some really great faculty members that were on board with uh, mentoring the students and um, training them, developing them the right way. And I had some, uh, some really great leaders that I was able to learn a lot from. Um, so I know that that uh, more than answers your question, <laughs> but, you know. No, that's awesome. I love, love it. You're definitely a detailed person and love to give detailed answers. And I'm sure our, our uh, listeners will probably appreciate that. So what's what's next for you? I mean, you've got this giant career at this giant institution, arguably one of the biggest 
culinary schools in the country. And then all of a sudden you, you leave after 17 years or how did that work? Well, um, so Le Cordon Bleu Los Angeles was owned by, uh, uh, excuse me, um, Career Education Corporation. And um, unfortunately, uh, the, the, the corporation uh, made the decision to sell their uh, vocational training schools. And uh, they, they tried to um, sell off the Le Cordon Bleu brand. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. So they ended up having a uh, deal with the United States Department of Education where, okay, if this sale doesn't go through, then we're going to end up um, um, teaching our programs out. So uh, the corporation did right by uh, the employees and, and the students. And, you know, they invested quite a bit of money to teach the program out the right way. Um, I'm very grateful for the time that I had with Le Cordon Bleu, uh, you know, uh, through the uh, uh, employee benefits. You know, they helped pay for my bachelor's degree. They helped pay for my master's degree. They paid for – helped pay for everything that I was involved with with the American Culinary Federation. Um our student competition teams, certifications, memberships, uh, convention, you name it. They were very supportive in that manner. Um, and they did the same thing for the students, you know. So the students who ended up um, starting in the last cohort were allowed to finish their associate's degree. And the, the whole process took 21 months, uh, but they did it the right way. It's something to be really proud of, you know, to, to stand behind that. Um, so as employees, we all received seven states. Uh, well, personally for uh, myself and my family, um, we had been playing around with the idea of moving out of Southern California for a few years, almost moved to uh, Boise, Idaho uh, back in 2009 uh, to accept a position up there. But um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. So we stayed put for a little bit longer. Um, and what ended up happening is uh, we had taken a couple of vacations up here to Utah and uh, we just absolutely loved it. And when this job came available as the associate dean for the Culinary Institute at, at Salt Lake Community College, um, I jumped at the opportunity to submit a, an application. And uh, the process to hire took six months. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was a little stressful at times because I didn't know if it was going to happen. I didn't know if, you know, if I was the guy or, uh, or even in consideration uh, but fortunately, um, they flew me up and had a great interview. Met a lot of people, and and uh, I couldn't I couldn't be more grateful. Now it's just been a, an amazing experience, uh, and my actual one year anniversary is later this week. Oh, cool. So it's been it's been a year, um, but I'm absolutely thrilled. It's it's just a fantastic experience. Um, the faculty members that I have at the college. They're a great group of people. They're really focused and, and dedicated to, to helping the students be successful in their education. Um, the student body are just been so welcoming. They're a fun group. Uh, we have a good time. Uh, I always tell them that they better not hide their food from me when I go in the kitchens. I said, I, Chef Coker likes to eat. Just look at my belly, <laughs> right? I like to taste food and, and, uh, and help them out because that's where I get the enjoyment from my day is, you know, it's, it's enough to drive a desk and sit behind a computer and come up with, uh, you know, big, big picture type of, of uh, opportunities. But at the same point, you know, what really makes me happy is, is working with the students and cooking. So 
at the community college level, you're just dealing with a, a, a different beast altogether uh, compared to the proprietary educational systems. And, you know, um, here we have uh, just about 130 students in our program. Um, we have uh, an associate of applied science in culinary arts. And we have an associate of applied science and hospitality management that was new to us this past summer. The uh, Utah Board of Regents approved the program for us. So we're really excited about that. Have a handful of students in that program now. But in our culinary arts program, our students have the opportunity to take one or two tracks and still end up with the same associate's degree. So they can either take the culinary savory track or they can take the patisserie and baking track, um, which basically is a difference of the core classes they take and some of the electives that they take. But either way, they, they end up with the same degree. And uh, of great benefit to our students is uh, we are programmatically accredited by the American Culinary Federation. And we just went through our renewal process and we earned a five-year grant of programmatic accreditation, which we're real proud of. Uh, the team did a, a, a really fantastic job in displaying a, a really high level of professionalism and hospitality to the visiting chefs that came in and reviewed our program and, um, you know, our student work that they did. They were just fantastic. Uh, but if our students join the American Culinary Federation before they graduate um, in the culinary program, they can earn an industry certification as a certified culinarian uh, just by successfully uh, matriculating and graduating the program. So essentially, I mean, you're you're offering very, very, very similar education, both from the um, the for-profit side, the proprietary side, as well as the community college side, it's very, very similar education, similar degrees, similar uh, teaching styles, things like that. But I guess my question is, is where are some of the differences? Because you've been involved now for enough time uh, on the community college side to really see that there are some differences. And, um, and, and so I'm curious, especially as somebody who... Um, has worked with culinary schools in the past and and kind of knows a little bit about them. But, uh, you know, I'm curious about that. But those who know nothing about culinary schools, like give them a barometer, give them an idea of some of the differences. Uh, well, it, it's, it's interesting because as much as it's the same, it's different, right? When you talk about proprietary education – my personal feeling is is almost like it, it, it shouldn't even exist because uh, in a proprietary education system, you're also trying to make money. And how do you make money? Well, you make money by, you know, looking at the bottom line. And if you used to be able to cook two steaks uh, in class today and, well, guess what? Now you're only going to be able to cook one. Those are tough decisions. So what you end up having to do in a proprietary education system is – you focus a lot on technique, which is what I think we should focus on regardless because that's – if you have a great foundationary base as a, as a cook or in any skilled trade, um, I think that you're going to end up uh, setting a great foundation to get yourself that experience down the road. Um, but in, in, in terms of uh, the public sector, you know, I've had a year of experience – um, and and it's it, it's something that I'm still getting used to, just in the ways that you go about um, procuring things. For example, uh, you know we we struggle because our program's not that big right now. 
Um, and I don't want it to blow up, right? I, I, I still would love to have a, a, a relatively small program somewhere between 200 and 250 students, I think is ideal. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of looking at the, from a cost perspective, our, we're not able to reap the same rewards or benefits as buying in bulk. You know, so we end up having to buy a lot of one-off stuff. So we're lucky if we get to put in an order for Cisco or Nicholas, you know, once a month, right? Um, whereas most of the stuff we're going is we might be buying from Costco. Uh, we might buy from some of the local uh, seafood like Ocean Beauty or something like that um, just to give our students the experience. Um, but in terms of curriculum, um, you know, the, the focus should be on the techniques and the skill and the repetitions. So um, I remember back in the day, you know, uh, we used to have uh, we used to have a budget that almost didn't seem fair because we were doing things that would just be, you know, unheard of with the amount of money that was being spent. So there was um, there was an overspend there, but our students were getting a great experience at the time, and they were able to uh, repeat multiple. Uh, proteins, vegetables, multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, but it was like fantasy land, right? And um, that eventually uh, got taken away and we ended up going at Le Cordon Bleu to what they called an aligned curriculum. So every campus across the United States was doing the same thing on the same day. And that's where you get your, um, you know, consistency, your control. And it's a business practice. You can't, you can't fault them for that. Um, you know, at the community college level, uh, we do really follow our academic freedom policies. So I work with the chef instructors uh, to help kind of uh, provide a roadmap on what we want our students to learn and take away. And then they use their experience that they have um, to help bring in some of the seasonal content and, you know, the recipes that they want to work on. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in terms of the cost of tuition, um, when you go to a private institution, you're paying for the convenience of um, having the, every class that you need in sequence. And you go from one to two and two to three. Not every program's like that. Um, ours at Le Cordon Bleu was, and, um, it worked for a lot of people. Um, you know, enrollments came every six weeks, um, new students in every six weeks, new students graduate every six weeks. And, um, in that environment, you pay for the convenience, you pay for the, um, uh, expedited degree. So you could go in there 12 months, get your diploma. You can go in there, um, it was at one point fifteen months. Then it became twenty one months to get your associate's degree. Um, but you know the students are paying. Um, at one point, I think the the greatest cost of an associate's degree at Le Cordon Bleu was just under fifty thousand dollars, and that was in fifteen months. And that was at the the peak of the market, like oh seven, oh eight, oh nine. And um, community college, I just think is is such a great deal in comparison. You know. Um, our program from start to finish um, is probably going to be just under $12,000 for most people. And there are plenty of scholarship opportunities available. And um, Salt Lake Community College has what's called the SLCC grant that's available to most students. And that grant, if you participate in financial aid, 
uh, if there's a gap and you're taking the appropriate number of credits, um, that slick promise will help to cover any gap in your tuition costs for the semester. Um, really great opportunity. You know, I've talked to a lot of students that uh, take advantage of it. Um, but, you know, that that money for us, that 12 grand, that's like an all in, including um, your books, tuition, toolkit um, and uh, and lab fees. So on a semester to semester basis, if you're taking a full load, which is between um, 15 and 18 credits, your tuition is just under two thousand dollars. And then your lab fees, depending on how many kitchen classes you're taking, average about $175 per class. So if you're taking one or two classes, you're still talking a total cost of less than $2,500 for a semester's worth of classes. Um, you know, And then, of course, at, at community college, you also have um, some flexibility, right? Um, you, can, you can try to schedule your classes um, without necessarily having to rearrange your life too much. There's always going to be sometimes when those don't synchronize as, as, as well as people would really want them to. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what uh, life and education and work-life balance is all about. You know, you, you got to sacrifice a little bit here and there. You know? And, um, you know, whereas uh, with the private industry, your, your, your classes are a little bit more regimented, a little bit more established. Um, you know, but that's also what you're paying for. So do you keep in touch much with former students or, or instructors or anybody like that? I have a, I have a handful of, of people that I still stay in touch with. Um, you know, um, the, the, you've, you've gone through, as you said, after 17 years, you see so many people um, go through and go by. You might not remember names, but you sure remember faces. Um, you know, I, I have a couple of students, one of which um, is Nathan Lyon. Nathan Lyon is a um, – um, he was on the – I think the second season of the TV Food Network star on uh, Food Network. And uh, Nathan went on to, to make his own TV show, Lion in the Kitchen, and, um, and, and wrote a book, his own book. He took his own photos, developed his own recipes, pretty awesome. And he went on to do a bunch of uh, consulting, and he was really involved in like uh, farm-to-table movement. Works with the Monterey Bay Aquarium and the um, and the Seafood Watch. Uh, does a lot of uh, events worldwide, and um, you know he he's always uh, great attitude. Loves food. Um, kind of carved out his own path, if you will. And um, I remember he lives now, I think, in Vermont or Maine. I can't remember where, but he sends me beautiful pictures. <laughs> and um, so you know, I, I I'm able to talk with him every once in a while. Um, you know, and then just out of the blue, you'll hear from a student or you'll, you'll get this text message or, you know, a random like Facebook post or something crazy like that. And, um, it's, it's, it's really almost nostalgic because when you remember that person and, and what you guys were doing at the time, and then it takes you back, Oh, wait a second. That was like, 2006. Are you kidding me? And all of a sudden you look and you realize that, you know, that's 12 years ago. <laughs> I, I mean, I almost today I have a hard enough time what I did yesterday sometimes <laughs> as, as I joke around, but um, I don't know. I think 
the the great part about um, being connected with um, you know so many people over the years is is sharing stories and and that's what I think you know we're training students to do is understand that they're a member of the hospitality industry and it's our job to provide service to guests and I try to make sure that the students don't use the word customer but guest because you want to people make people feel welcome. Uh, in your establishment, whether you're the business owner or the chef or a line cook, because that's when you have the um, uh, the when you provide a great service, uh, that's what keeps the lights on, keeps the doors open, and you know at the end, if you really are passionate about cooking food, it's what makes you happy. You know, um, I th- I know a lot of people have regrets. A lot of people look back on their lives or their careers and they think. Man, if I could, if I could go back, I'd do this over again. What are what are some of those moments for you? What are some of the regrets that maybe you had that you did or didn't do? Or, you know, if you could do it over again, would you do it? And would you do it differently, or would you do it the same? I'm I'm just curious to hear your opinion there. Um, you know, I look back now, and I'm just extremely grateful for the opportunities I had. And uh, I have a I have a I have a good friend of mine. Uh, Mike Ray has told me a long time ago, um, you know, create separation for yourself. And, and, um, I think that that's what you have to do in almost any business. You have to be willing to take a chance and you have to be willing to, to go for the next level and push yourself, even if it's something that you might not think you're quite ready for or, or that you think you can do. And, um, if you want something badly enough, I, I really think that um, you can make it happen. Um, I'm very happy with um, with where things are for myself and my family at this point. And I don't think that I would change anything, to be honest with you. There are days and weeks that are more challenging than others, of course. But, um, you know, or other things you look back and you say, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that at that point in life. <laughs> but but those are all growing experiences, you know. Um, uh, I'm in my early 40s now, almost mid 40s, actually. And, um, you know, after what, almost almost uh, 20 years in this business in one way or another, um excuse me, I can't count, 30 years in this business one way or another. Um, you know, there are so many things that that I wish I would have done differently, but at the same point, I don't know that I'd be where I'm at today if I did. Um, you know, I I, I think the, the best thing is, you know, be happy with what you do, enjoy it, have fun with it. Um, because if you do all those things and you surround yourself with great people and you work to build a great team, you know, that's what, that's what the hospitality industry is about providing service to guests. And it's the same way I feel about education. You know, my job and the faculty members jobs is to provide an education to the students. It's not about me. It's not about the teacher. It's about taking care of the students. And there's a lot to be said for the principles of servant leadership, um, interfacing greatly with. Uh, those in the hospitality industry and in education. To me, they align. And as long as um, I always keep that and I, I really uh, try to push the, the faculty members to maintain that same focus, then finding solutions and helping people earn or, or helping people achieve their goals in life um, is fun. It can be challenging, but, but, but it's fun and we learn something from it. You know, 
Well, I, for one, definitely appreciate your passion and your uh, willingness to serve our students and future culinarians and to really, you know, teach them in the right ways, the, the ways that um, maybe aren't always in a book or the principles and techniques that aren't always in books, the life lessons that come along with um, experience in this industry and a love and a passion for it. So if someone is interested and they want to get a hold of you, how do they do that or what's the best way to do that? Fantastic. Um, so if you go to the Salt Lake Community College website, we're at slcc.edu backslash culinary arts. And we have all of our program information there. Uh, and there's also a cross link to uh, the hospitality management program. Um, and then we also have our uh, Facebook page, which is SLCC Culinary Arts. And on that page, uh, can can friend us and can check out all the great things that our students are doing. We post pictures uh, multiple times a week or job announcements or cool events that we got going on, uh, scholarship opportunities, you name it. So um, that that would be the, the best way to start. All of our contact information is there. Um, I love being able to have uh, guests on campus, uh, show them around, show them what we do. Uh, we have a sustainability foods program, uh, class, class, not program. And uh, that class manages our garden that we have. Uh, we have a beautiful uh, compost machine. So we take all of our leftover product, compost it out, and then our students uh, take the beautiful compost and put it into our garden. So right now our class is working on um, seed propagating and sprouts, and pretty soon they're going to go to transplant. Uh, we have a 20-foot greenhouse out in the back, and um, one of our students, David Chen, um, uh, has about uh, 20,000 honeybees out there when things start going. And, you know, uh, being from Southern California, you're exposed to a lot and you have access to a lot, but I never had honeybees rolling around <laughs> a garden at, at, at Le Cordon Bleu. So to me, this is just an absolutely amazing experience. Uh, to have exposure to this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm learning things that I haven't had the opportunity to get involved with. So it's a great experience. But so anyways, back to my point. Come come and come and check it out. Come and see us. I'll show you around campus. You can see the garden and the honeybees, I promise. Um, but but we have a we have a great time and You're a good man. It's a great program and anybody interested should go check it out. Much appreciated. Good seeing you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. This Business Chef podcast was brought to you by the Culinary Technology Fund. To find out more about how you can make a difference in the lives of culinarians as well as creating a more sustainable food service industry, email us info at businesschef.org with Culinary Technology Fund in the subject line.